Hi everyone, welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. Today we are bringing in Barbara O'Neill, who is best-selling author of When We Believed in Mermaids. This really was one of my favorite books in 2020. And when I finished it, I was reading it in bed and John came upstairs into the bedroom and I was crying and crying and he thought something really terrible happened. And I said, no, everything's okay. I'm just so sad that I finished this book because I so enjoyed hanging out with these characters. It was a really fun novel to read. And I was so excited when Barbara said she would come on the Wise Woman podcast. She shares with us all about her writing process and it's very mindful and it's very spiritual. She also gives all aspiring writers permission to start, start now, show up, sit down. And she speaks in a way where writing sounds digestible and accessible. Barbara talks about the inspiration behind When We Believed in Mermaids. There are no spoilers, so feel free to listen to this episode and then dive into her book. Thank you all so much for being here. podcast. I am super excited about today's guest. We have best-selling author of When We Believed in Mermaids, Barbara O'Neill. Barbara, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. So of course, I want to talk about When We Believed in Mermaids. But first, I'd like to start with just a little bit of your background. What got you into writing? I actually don't remember a time that I did not want to be a writer. And and specifically, I wanted to write novels. From the time I was about 12, I realized that this was a job. Somebody wrote books. Like I had finished a book and I looked at the bio and thought, if this is a job, why would you do anything else? But pretty much everyone said, you're kind of crazy to ever want that. But really, I never varied from wanting that specific thing and kind of was determined to do it from that age. Yeah, it's so intrinsic. It's it's obviously your purpose and your gift. And When We Believed in Mermaids, it's a beautiful book. All my sisters read it, my mom read it, and it takes place in California and New Zealand. How did you choose these two locations? Well, for one thing, I am madly in love with New Zealand. My um, husband's brother and sister, his brother and my sister-in-law, live there and we had been visiting for like five weeks um when i was writing my last book and the place where we lived and the the way that it looked and everything about it i just i knew that i was going to end up setting a book there i wasn't sure that people would love it as much as they would love england turns out they love it even more than they love england and i love california i spent a lot of time there since i was a child and I really love it. I would probably live there if I could convince the Englishman to go there, but he loves Colorado. So I think, I think we're, we're staying here. And this beautiful book dives into really intricate details of sisterhood and these female relationships. How did you create all these layers? What inspired you to write about sisters? Well, I have uh, two sisters and one of them is very close. And she just recently called me. She said, we need to make this book into like 
somebody needs to make this into a movie because I want to see who's going to play us. And she is, I mean, I just started laughing and said, yeah. Um, she is not a doctor, but she is a nurse and has been a, like an oncology nurse. She works in the ER currently. Um, so like the whole medical thing, the, the character of these two sisters was very close to us. We were really, really close as children. And we kind of grew apart through um, early adulthood and how we came back together. It wasn't anything quite as dramatic as this, but you know, certainly the dynamics of sisters and how much we need each other. And also I have to say so many women who don't have sisters, it sounds like you do have sisters, so you understand this. They, they long for that connection so much. Like it's almost mythical how much we love our sisters and how important they are to us. So I think it's a really important bond and sisters show up in my books all the time. Yeah, it makes I mean, it, I like feel I could cry. I absolutely agree. I remember I teach meditation around the world, and I first learned how to meditate when I was living in this pretty wild silent ashram in South India. And I just kept thinking about how much I missed my sister, and I loved my sister, and all of these like loving thoughts about her really helping me deepen my meditation and mindfulness practice. So I totally hear you, women. We need our sisters. We do. And if we don't have sisters that are born to us, I think that we go, we do try to create that sisterhood bond with other women because it is so important to ourselves and our development and the way that we reflect um, each other back to ourselves so we can see each other. Um, that's a pretty rare and special thing. One of my favorite questions to ask accomplished authors is how do you even do it? Like, how, what is your writing process like? Well, the writing process itself is just had a little discussion with the girls in the basement who are the ones who come up with everything. I'm like, you know, I'm really struggling with this new book and I don't know what you want me to write here. And they just basically said, you know, just sit yourself in the chair and write the damn book. Right. So just get it going, get it right. Just, just show up and write it. Um, but I think the process itself is, so mysterious. I have no idea how most books come to me. I don't know. I honestly believe it's a very spiritual thing that the books are living somewhere else um, on the other side of this wall or something. And my whole purpose is to bring it over onto this side so that it will get to the people who need it. So I am a conduit and I, you know, sometimes I'm a good conduit and sometimes I'm not a great conduit, but really showing up to do that is you know, what I'm supposed to do. And it really is just sitting down and doing the work, like this very unglamorous part. I absolutely love the spiritual component of just being a conduit and ch channeling that message. And I'm guessing the girls downstairs, that's more of like a spiritual term as opposed to like a publishing office. <laughs> it's not a publishing office, right? Uh, Stephen King came up with the, the boys in the basement a long time ago. And I couldn't say boys because my process is purely female. But so the girls in the basement and I've used that ever since they do all the hammering and nailing and send it up to me to put it on the page. Do you have any spiritual practices that work for you? I do. I meditate daily. I I have been through pretty much all of the major religions and I have um, 
I pretty much stick with meditation and a private practice these days. That's, you know, that's the way I get information. So for everyone who is listening, listening, who is an aspiring author, the best thing to do is to meditate and then sit. I would say that's true. Yeah. Beautiful. It's so simple. It's so simple. I love it. I know. I mean, well, we do tend to overcomplicate things. Um, I think we do make things harder than they have to be. When you take it right down to the simple thing, the act of writing is simply sitting down and opening your heart to whatever it is that needs to be expressed, which sounds super metaphysical, but is also really practical. So how did you, without giving away any spoilers in When We Believed in Mermaids, how did you formulate the plot? Was that something that came to you and then you wrote the whole story around it? You know, this really was a pretty mysterious practice. I mean, a, a mysterious plot. The first line came to me that, you know, um, my sister has been dead for 15 years when I see her on the evening news. And I knew, okay, that was a big gift. I will just run with that and see where it goes. I knew I had, I had been wanting to write about sisters. I knew I wanted to write about New Zealand. I am in love with the idea of surfing and watching people surf and the metaphysical, spiritual aspects of surfing, even though I would never go swimming in the Pacific Ocean for any, any amount of money in the world. There's too many creepy things in the water. Um, and so all of those things kind of came together. I mean, I do love nature and I love the practice of being in nature, but, you know, so surfing was just a way to sort of express my love for nature. But the sisters and their history and Dylan, all of those things just sort of came in little bits and pieces. And I didn't know what I was writing until I was about halfway through. And there's deep themes about trauma and pulling the veil back and the shadow and almost our inner child suffering. Is this something that also came to in the early stages of formulating this book? I think all of my books in some way are about women healing each other and about the process of grief and how to come to terms with what your life really is. I'm really quite interested in how people navigate trauma or don't. Some people manage to get through it and work through it and have healthy whole lives and other people just can't get past it. And so I think in some ways, you know, um, the sisters are dealing with trauma in very different ways. Someone asked me recently, do you think you can really run away from trauma? And I don't think you can, but at times that is something that we try to do. And I am really, I have a lot of love for people who've had really terrible childhoods or have suffered addiction. Um, and I just always want those people not to think that they're alone. And so I think it's a really important thing to write about, to talk about all of those things that we go through and especially addiction. Addiction is really big in this book. Um, it's just such a pervasive problem because people are so lonely and without connection. So I guess that's, I guess that's where that came from. Hi everyone. Are you unlocking your full potential? 
We pause this episode to make sure that you have a meditation and mindfulness routine that supports your highest potential, increase productivity, lower your stress levels, and improve your sleep. This is why we created the Spiritual Intelligence Quiz. Join thousands of others that have taken this 30-second quiz to help them find a meditation routine best for their personality type. You are unique. Your meditation practice should be too. Go to erinracheldapelt.com slash quiz or head over to my homepage to check it out there. Again, it's Aaron Rachel Doppelt, E-R-I-N-R-A-C-H-E-L-D-O-P-P-E-L-T.com forward slash quiz to take the quiz today. See you there and enjoy the rest of the episode. Beautiful. Absolutely. And along those themes, there are also these different layers of love, sisterly love, even though it can be tumultuous, love with a mother, even though that relationship is different amongst different family members and and siblings, but also romantic love. You bring in these incredible characters that have such gusto for romance and life. How did you, how did you birth that into the world? I love the idea of, I think almost all of us want a partner. Everyone, most of us, I'm not gonna say everyone because not everyone does, but most of us really do long for really true connection with a romantic partner. And there's like lots of variations of how that happens in this book as well. Some of it's very positive and some of it's negative. But I also think that um, I have been criticized for Javier. But I think sometimes it happens like that, that you see someone and you say, oh, I've been waiting for you. And what a what a fun thing that is. And also I think it adds some sense of possibility and hope to a storyline that kind of gets a little bit pretty dark at times. But there is hope in every moment, right? There always is. So I always wanna be conscious of that when I'm writing. I love Javier. I love how he came in and he was so, yes, he did embody that knight in shining armor type of archetype. Yet my husband was kind of like that. Like, I believe those men exist. Is that something that you see in your relationship? You know, my relationship is quite different because he's a very quiet, um, serious sort of you know, geeky Englishman, but he has a lot of those same qualities. I mean, when we met, I just went, oh, I I didn't know you were going to be the guy, but you are. And I love that feeling. And it was absolutely true. And I do believe that there's something really great about a beautiful romance. Why not? And people love reading about it and just immersing themselves in that. People love love. I love love. I do too. So in this journey of writing this book, how long did it take you? I'm going to say it was probably a little over a year. That first brewing period is pretty long for me. Usually it takes me, I don't know, four or five, six months to sort of get all the pieces in place. It's like I have this big basket of pieces and I have to figure out how they fit together. And then the actual writing tends to take, I don't know, four or five months um, of like kind of full on um just writing all the time. That's really what I have to do. I have to go underground and just kind of forget about all of my like lunch dates and all of those other things and just, you know, spend my time writing. I mean, not even just like sitting at the computer writing 
for hours and hours on end, which I think is like something that people think it looks like, but two or three hours at the computer writing is a long time. And I will be absolute toast by the end of it. So it means that I have to spend time gardening and I have to spend time by myself a lot um, to sort of let it percolate and be there. So um, I'm pretty antisocial through that period. And I'm actually about to start a new dive. So, you know, I'm getting ready. I'm always like putting it off a little bit. Like, I'll just have lunch one more time. I'll just do, you know, whatever. So about a year, I guess that was a long answer to say that, but that's about how long it takes. I love that. I think there's so much honesty in everything that you're saying. It's, you have to get quiet and sit with it. So let's say during the thick of writing when we believed in mermaids, what was a typical daily schedule for you? Um, I was really, I was actually through that period of time, I was getting up early for whatever reason, it was really working for me for this book. I would get up early at like 4.30 and tea in my office. I know, I don't even actually really like getting up that early, but sometimes the book just needs that complete quiet, no distractions from the world, no temptation of email, no talking to my partner. Like Ray Bradbury used to say, uh, you should write before you let the world in. And some books really need that. I think there was a lot of like intense material and I was sort of, you know, like I just had to sort of stumble into it and work before I let myself think too much. So I would get up and I would work for an hour, hour and a half and then make breakfast and go for a walk and then come back to it for another hour or so after that um, and write some more and then like go into the business part of the day. Beautiful. That sounds like a really important routine. I absolutely agree. Like those really early morning hours when it's quiet and we're still and the emails aren't coming in and you can keep your phone off. Right. It's a luxurious time. It is so expansive. Yes, absolutely. What's your favorite thing about being an author? Oh, there's so many things I really like about it. I mean, that's the honest truth. I used to think when I was a kid that it was going to be like, you know, I would have this cottage on the beach and, you know, like acolytes would come to me and ask me questions, wise woman. But I still think that there's aspects of that that I really like, that it is sort of, I get to spend all of my time doing this thing that I love so much. I mean, writing a novel is just like reading only you get to do it for a longer period of time like when you fall in love with a book you get you don't want it to end you want to stay in the middle of it and when i'm writing i get to stay in it for a really long time and so that's really fun and i really love the letters and the stories that women tell me about like you know what the book brought to them what helped them what they loved um that I got to hold somebody's hand when they needed it at some point, even just for a minute, even if it was just to sit on a beach and hang out, we got to hang out together. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's so awesome. It's such holy work. Yes. It's the most, like, I think of my favorite books as like my best friends. Like I, I wept when I finished your book. I was so sad when it was over. I like really didn't want it to end. It was such a, it was definitely my favorite book that I read in, 2020. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you right now. I really, it was just so, it was an escape. It was so fun to be present with all of those characters. So thank you. Thank you for writing this medicine. Before we even met. I love that. Yeah. It's so healing. You offer so much healing. 
And what about before you were successful? Like when you were starting to write, I know you've written many books, but what about the imposter syndrome? What about somebody who has this book inside them and they just can't even imagine being a successful author? There are two things that I would say about that is that you have to believe for, before anyone else can believe. And part of that belief is just knowing that if you have a book idea, it has come to you because it needs you to bring it into the world. That Madeline Engel says, if a book comes to you and says in flesh me, that it's your holy duty to do that in fleshing. Because if you don't do it, it might not ever get done. So it's not about you so much, it's about you doing what you're called to do, which is write this story. So I understand imposter syndrome. I don't think any creative person gets away with not having that feeling. Like we all feel it, but you have to do your work anyway. Like you have to do your very best. That's all you can ever do. And that's all the universe ever wants you to do is just do your best, show up and and do what you can, do your learning, uh, figure out your craft, um, find people that you love and figure out how they do things, study their work. All those things are are valid and will help you. Who are some of the people that inspired you to choose this, this route? It's a long time ago to remember who my inspirations were, but I will say there was a book called Green Darkness by Anya Seton that was about reincarnation and romance and like what we're destined to do. I read that book about, I don't know, I want to say eight or nine times the year I was 15. And it just made me a writer. It just was, I had always wanted to be a writer before that. But once I read that book, I'm like, no turning back now. This is because it gave me so much pleasure. And it made me think about things that were bigger than myself. And it made me want to visit England. And it made me want to do a pilgrimage to this place where the skeleton was found. And it just was so big and it felt so important to me. And I, I still think it was a very important book. Um, but also Ursula Le Guin uh, wrote, I can't remember the name of the book, but I really liked her at a certain point and I was really like discouraged and sure that I was never gonna be able to be a writer. And like, how could someone like me, like I'm a working class person, you know, blah, blah, blah. How could, and I was starting to believe all those people were saying, you know, honey, it's nice that you believe, but really, why don't you get like, why don't you get a real job? You're going to need something to see you through. Um, and Ursula Le Guin had written a book that she talked at the beginning of each short story, like what she had gone through to get to it. And she wrote this one thing about like, everybody always thinks like if you're published, you're just born published, but we're all in the before times we all have the before times and like you just have to keep believing i'm paraphrasing i can't remember it's been a really long time since i read it but it really kept me going for a long time like just keep believing and everybody was not published before they were published and why not you why not you that's also one of my most favorite mantras why not me why why couldn't it be me right so I mean, something that I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. I'm so inspired by everything you're saying. And then I talked to publishing agencies and literary agents about the book proposal and the email list and the following and like kind of all the bullshit, like all, all the extra that's involved in selling a book. And I, I've even talked to some of my clients who get so discouraged. Would you say just write the book anyway? 
I would, you know, write the book anyway. Um, you will learn so much about yourself and the process of writing that even if this book doesn't sell, you've prepared yourself to sell the next one. There is a lot to publishing in the modern world. And we don't really have the luxury of not participating in the marketing and public relations and all of those business things that we used to. I was allergic to all of those things for a really long time. And then it became obvious that if I wanted to continue to sell my books, I had to figure it out. I had to learn how to talk to my readers and to change that that business feeling into the idea that this is what helped me and maybe it'll help other people is that creating a mailing list and doing the PR work and doing um, all of the sometimes sort of uncomfortable marketing of a thing is only to get that work that you've poured your heart and soul into, into the hands of the person who needs it. And you have like every single person who needs it needs to get it. That's why you're doing this. So consider it not about you, but about the offering that you're making. It's not about you being a sleazy promoter. It's about you making sure that your message gets to the people who might really flounder without it at that particular moment. You don't know what someone needs from a book. It's not grandiose to think that you could save a life. Like it doesn't have to be the work itself. It can be that they hear something through that work. Um, I'm kind of getting on my grandstand here, but it's really important. And that's where like, like the marketing helps that get to someone. I love it. Yes, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's medicine to so many people. Right. If your words went viral and we could share this wisdom with aspiring writers around the world, what would you love to share with them? That I would like to hear each of those stories, that I am waiting for those stories, every last one of them. Barbara, that is beautiful. Thank you. And before we log off, I want to talk about your next book. So you're about to get quiet and put your head down and write this new novel. Can you tell us about that? I can't really talk about this one yet Ooh. because it's in that rare and delicate stage, but I can talk about the book that's coming out uh, in the summer, which is Write My Name Across the Sky, which is about a 74-year-old uh, Instagram influencer and her two nieces who like, there's some trouble on the horizon and they have to come together and, and figure it out. But I love Gloria. She was so much fun to write. That sounds amazing. I'm so excited. When is that coming out in the summer? It will be out August 10th. Beautiful. Amazing. Barbara, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Erin. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Wise Woman podcast. I hope this interview with Barbara served you, and I hope it really inspired you. I know it really inspired me to sit down and write more because I do believe we get these really powerful ideas and 
you are likely the only one getting these ideas. So sit down, write the book, share that medicine on your heart. If this resonated with you in any way, I would so appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review, write a comment, or share this episode with a friend. As always, if you share this episode, if you post it on social media and you tag me, you are entered to win a 30-minute one-on-one session with So thank you so much for listening to the Wise Women Podcast, and I look forward to connecting with all of you.